Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to read the Daniel passage later, but let's, uh, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. And we'll read section 2, which is actually in your handout, if you have your handout there, of the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 32. First, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 13. This is God's holy and infallible word. God says here, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so... Um, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Section 2 of chapter 32, at the top of your... Your handout says, At the last day, such as are found alive shall not die, but be changed, and all the dead shall be raised up with the selfsame bodies, and none other, although with different qualities, which shall be united again to their souls forever. Let's pray together. We ask our beloved Lord that you would bless this, your holy word, as we study um, these matters concerning the, the end times upon the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. And help us, we pray, as we study the resurrection, to have our hope rooted uh, in what your word says unto us, this glorious, holy, and infallible word. For we ask these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. There are many uh, different, I would say, interpretations of uh, the end times. Now, regarding main views of the end times, the OPC doesn't really accept every view, but there's, a, there's still a lot of room for what is acceptable as far as a view of the end times. Um, so, even though that there is a great difference of what Christians may believe concerning the end times, there are some things that we can hold in common. And one of them in particular is this notion and understanding of rapture. We might not agree upon what the millennium is and the post-millennial and pre-millennial and all this other stuff, or amillennial, but regarding the fact that there is a rapture is something that we can have in Holy Scripture 
that should be clear unto us. Now, according to the Erdman's um, Bible Dictionary, rapture is actually a word that comes from Latin, which comes from Greek. Now, when we read this uh, particular uh, passage, especially in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, uh, there in your Bibles, it says, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. The Greek word here, translated in English as caught up together, if you took that Greek word and you translated it into Latin, it would be, rap, you know, the word here is uh, rapio, rapio. Now, if you, know, if you know Latin and you want to correct my pronunciation, please do later on after the message. But the Latin word rapio means to, be, to seize or to carry away. So when we, believe, when we say we believe in the rapture, will they be a carrying away of those who believe in Christ? Yes. And you could cite 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. As what is your understanding of the rapture? That's the key passage here. Um, to seize or carry away. Now, you might not know this, but rapture isn't always, or this carrying away, isn't always something, this verb here for being carried away, isn't always referring to the end times. There's a mention of rapture. Did you know that this rapture happened to the Apostle Paul, him being carried away? And I have that verse listed here in uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, Paul speaks of himself in an incognito fashion because he doesn't want to come right out and say, this was, this was me I'm talking about. But he says, I know a man, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, but God knows such a man, speaking of himself, was caught up into the third heaven. Caught up, that's rapture, if you would translate that in Latin. Um, caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words. So just in that little section of scripture, um, Paul was caught up twice. He doesn't know whether it was in the body or whether it was in the body and soul together, but he was caught up into, into the, it says here, into the third heaven, into paradise, when God gave him this uh, vision and revelation. And then that's the reason why God then humbled him with a thorn in the flesh um, to make him uh, not proud in such revelation. In section 2, we read that at the last day, such as are found alive shall not die, but be changed. Those who are still alive during the return of Christ will not die, but they will be changed as they are caught up together with Christ. It says um, here uh, that the reason those alive during the return of Christ will not die is because of what's mentioned in verses 13 through 17. It said that Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. What will happen? It says in verse 16, first, the dead in Christ will rise first. God has given a privilege that the dead in Christ will rise first before those who remain alive will, will ascend 
into the clouds to be with Christ when they are carried up or caught up together with him in the clouds. Verse 17 says that, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together, raptured with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we shall always be with the Lord. Because the scriptures teach here that we shall be raptured or caught up together to meet God in the clouds, every Christian should be able to say, I believe in the rapture. And don't forget, when someone asks you, do you believe in the rapture? Go to 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Now, the key points that the OPC and a lot of the ministers in our denomination would like to point out is that this is what they would call a very visible rapture. It's not some secret rapture. How do we know that? Because there will be, it says here, something visible that Jesus Christ will be made visible. It will be Jesus Christ who will appear coming down from the clouds. Now, a parallel passage is Matthew 25. Keep your place in 1 Thessalonians, but I want us to turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. It says here, But when the Son of Man, that's a messianic title Jesus is using concerning himself, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on the left. Now, if this is to be a visible rapture, very visible rather than a secret rapture. How visible will it be? Will it be just Jesus and maybe a hundred or so angels? But it says in verse 31, all the angels with him. Now, how many angels are there in heaven? Uh, I have here a little proof text for you. Uh, Revelation 5.11 says that there are Myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands of angels in heaven around the throne of God. And Jesus says, when he comes down and he descends from the clouds with that great shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpets of God sounding, there will be myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands of angels with him. Now, um, I looked at one source to describe what is a myriad some say that literally it's supposed to mean 10,000. So 10,000s of 10,000s. Now, but it also goes on to say that the myriad, when you, especially when you have myriads of myriads, it means countless or innumerable. So imagine Jesus Christ descending from the clouds with an army of angels which cannot be numbered. That would be a glorious sight. A glorious sight. Now, again, if you ask whether that rapture will be a very visible event, I would say quite visible. 
can't miss it. Now it also will be a very loud event because it will be the shout of the archangel and it will be the trumpet of God sounding. Now how loud would it be? I would believe that it would be supernaturally loud that every person on the planet will be able to hear that shout and hear that trumpet. But what's even amazing is that even the dead will hear and will rise at hearing that trumpet sound. That's pretty loud. So be very visible and very loud, and it'll wake the dead. You've probably heard people say that, that, that saying, man, that guy was so loud he could wake the dead. Well, this will really be loud enough to wake the dead. Now, I'm not going to go into when this will all happen. Will it be after the Great Tribulation? Or some people would say before the Great Tribulation. What's interesting is that the Westminster Assembly did not put this down as part of our confession. Maybe because it wasn't as important. Because it's very possible that a lot of the men on the Westminster Assembly didn't, they didn't all agree on this issue about when it would happen. Maybe they didn't all agree about the millennium. But the key parts of what we are supposed to believe concerning the return of Christ, this great calling up together, this great rapture, is clearly laid out in Scripture, and it's clearly laid out in the confession of faith here. Um, Section 2 speaks of the resurrection which will come um, before, again, clearly from from, from, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, It talks about coming before the rapture. It says in section 2, All the dead shall be raised up with the selfsame bodies and none other, although with different qualities. And we'll look a little bit at those different qualities soon. Which shall be united again to their souls forever. I guess it's important for them to point out that once we are raised from the dead and reunited with our souls, those who are in the graves will be reunited with their souls. It'll never get separated again. Their the combination of body and soul again. But there are two important passages I want us to look at here concerning this notion of being raised with self-same bodies, yet with different qualities. Um, I'm going to kind of give you a little forward thing. Um, before we do that, I want, to, I want you to look at the end of section 3. It says, we will be made conformable to his own glorious body. Whose body? The body of Jesus. And here's two passages. Uh, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power which He has even to subject all things to Himself. And then 1 John 3, 2-3. through 3, It has not appeared as yet what we will be, we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. 
Section 3 of the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith here then goes on and says, The bodies of the unjust shall by the power of Christ be raised to dishonor. The bodies of the just by his Spirit unto honor and be made conformable to his own glorious body. Now here's the part where we want to look at Daniel uh, 12. I have it listed here in your outline. Daniel 12, 2 through 3 says, Those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So there's two things in this particular passage. This is a great passage, Daniel 12, that speaks about the resurrection of both the unjust and the just. And like our confession says, it says, the bodies of the unjust shall by the power of Christ be raised to dishonor. Uh, that's a loaded term there, dishonor. What's involved in that dishonor? As, as Daniel 12, 2 said, disgrace and everlasting contempt. But that even doesn't describe the full measure of what that dishonor uh, entails. Revelation 20 mentions it being like a, it'll, it'll be something called the second death, the lake of fire. It says that anyone's name not written in the book of life, he is thrown into the lake of fire and having a second death. So you might ask yourself, what did Jesus come to do? What did Jesus come to do? Did he come to save us from death? Well, even though you believe in Jesus, unless Christ returns first, you will die. That is the course of, the, of, these, that is the course of life. But what Jesus Christ came to do is to spare you from eternal death, eternal dying, eternal torment, the eternal lake of fire described as the second death. If you think death is bad, the second death is immensely, most horribly, eternally worse. It's eternally dying, eternally in torment, where the weeping never stops, where the pain never stops, where the thirst never stops, where there is no rest day or night, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. Those who have saving faith in Christ, though, as we learned here in, in Daniel 12, those who have saving faith in Christ will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven and those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars, forever and ever. Now, when I read that at first, I was thinking to myself, well, how does this apply to Revelation when it talks about Jesus Christ himself, the Lamb being the light of the new heavens and the new earth? Why are we going to shine bright like the expanse of heaven and like the stars? Honestly, it's because... In glory, that'll be the place where we, we perfectly reflect the glory of Christ. Right now, as Christians, we, yes, we reflect the glory of Christ. And some people see the light of Christ in you. 
But in that new heavens and new earth, those who are in Christ will shine like the sun because they will reflect the glory of Jesus Christ who will be the light of the new heavens and the new earth. Now, it closes by saying that our bodies will be made conformable to his own glorious body. Now, we could describe that in a few ways. Jesus Christ had a physical body that could be touched. Doubting Thomas touched his physical body. He's not going to be... When you are resurrected, you will be joined to a body. You will not be left as a spirit or anything of that sort. You will have physical touch. I notice uh, here uh, also in Scripture, it also tells us that Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, one of the things that they asked that he offered to do as a proof that he was not a ghost but a true person, he says, do you have anything to eat? And they brought him some fish. And Jesus sat and ate as they were amazed, gasping and amazed that the, the resurrected Christ was sitting with them after inspecting his wounds they also noticed that Jesus Christ was able to sit and enjoy a meal with them. So um, Jesus himself said that he longed for that day when he could sit and drink the fruit of the vine in the kingdom of God again. And he wasn't just talking figuratively. Jesus had a body that was able to, uh, to eat and drink after the resurrection. Um, it is not sure... For certain, but Jesus Christ did have a body with supernatural qualities. Will we have every supernatural quality that Jesus Christ had in his resurrected body? Maybe yes, maybe no. But we know that the Lord Jesus, his body was not bound by the laws of gravity any longer as he ascended into glory. Will our bodies be bound by that? Well, that's one of the things we have to wait and see. But maybe, maybe not. There are questions that we still have that we can't answer infallibly, but there is a wonderful, blessed truth that if you believe in upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be raised on that last day. And not raised to contempt and dishonor, but you will be raised to new life in Christ, given a glorious body that is like unto the body of Christ, a glorious con- wonderful, blessed body in a new heavens and a new earth, the paradise which will be heaven upon earth. Let's pray together. We ask you, O Father, that you would help us to remember the wonderful things that we have learned in this glorious, holy scriptures that you have given unto us. We pray that you would help us to long for that day when you will transform our humble bodies into conformity with the body of your Son's glory. That by the power that you have exerted, even upon all things, that you would use that glorious power and transform our bodies on that great day. Help us to long to be like him, that when we see him, as he was uh, in, in that testimony of after his resurrection, help us to long to be conformed unto his glorious body and help us to fix our hope on these wonderful things. 
our hope upon not just what we have in this life, but our hope that you will give us an eternal glorious residence with a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Help us, we pray, to be faithful witnesses of the wonderful truth that you sent your Son to suffer and die for sinners such as us, that we might obtain these glorious, these glorious promises. But we ask these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's uh, turn to a most fantastic hymn, 387, Day of Judgment, Day of Wonders.